The Winning Way Podcast is brought to you by 323 Sports. If you're looking for a sports equipment and apparel company, then look no further. 323 Sports will do it right and get you exactly what you need. Visit them at 323sports.com or reach out to sales at 323sports.com to get in contact with a team rep today. Like them, follow them, and add them at 323sports to keep up with all things in the realm of sports equipment and apparel. On episode 12, we sit down with guest and author Brian Rezepa to discuss his recent book, You're Hired, A Guide to Working in Sports. Brian explains the process of getting hired in as the athletic director on the collegiate level, and we talk about the need of having a passion for sports over having an actual athletic college degree. We discuss how networking can make job opportunities much easier, and we talk about how 90% of the job is acting as a CEO rather than the actual X's and O's of athletics. You can follow Brian on social media at Brian Rezepa, and you can purchase his book on Amazon. Enjoy this episode, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at The Winning Way, and feel free to email us any suggestions, questions, and comments at thewinningwaypodcast at gmail.com. Enjoy. All right, this is the Winning Way podcast. Uh, we are back, episode 12. I am Zach Shank, and I'm here with my co-host. Tommy Brown. Tommy, how's everything going today? Things going well, man. I like how you let me say my name like that. Yeah, you know, give you a little bit of freedom to, uh, you know, kind of feel that you have some control over the, the winning way here. Absolutely. You are my authority. I, I do great with authority. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, Tommy, we have a guest on today. I'm excited to hear. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to have a lot of questions, I guarantee you. Yeah, we, we haven't had a guest on, I think, since episode two. And that was when we had uh, Heather Macy. And, yeah. Uh, uh, talking about emotional intelligence and everything. And uh, so I'm excited to get back in here. But our, our guest today is Brian Rezepa. Uh, and Brian um, is the author of the book, You're Hired. Um, so Brian, I, I appreciate you joining us today and uh, getting a chance to really talk with you and, and get a chance to take a look at your book. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. And yeah, it's uh, You're Hired, A Guide to Working in Sports. So basically, you know, it's just kind of a pretty much just a, um, an overview of what it's like to work in sports, how to get hired within sports, how to move your way up through within there. Um, so, you know, if you're interested in that, interested in some background uh, within kind of the sporting world, that's definitely a good resource. And yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to, uh, to talking with you guys today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, give us uh, a little bit of your background. Um, you know, what, tell, tell us about Brian. Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess as it pertains to sports, um, my undergrad degree is in sports management. And, um, you know, I worked for two years in minor league baseball for the uh, Toledo Mudhens, the AAA affiliate of the Tigers. Um, currently not working in sports, as, uh, as you'll find out through reading the book. <laughs> so that'll be, uh, I guess, a spoiler, spoiler alert through there. I'm currently working for a large uh, auto manufacturer as a project manager. Um, I guess kind of beyond that, as, as it pertains to sports, obviously, you know, the auto industry, not necessarily a sports field, but uh, a lot of lessons that you learn from working in sports definitely apply across the board. And, you know, at, especially as it pertains to athletic directors and things like that, um, I'm working as a project manager currently. So I think a lot of them, there's definitely uh, quite a few similarities across the board. The Toledo Mud Hens, that's like the most famous baseball minor league team. Corporal, corp, uh, what is, uh, sorry, I've got a speech impediment. The MASH guy, Corporal Klinger, wasn't he like a, didn't he make the Toledo Mud Hens famous? He did, Jamie Farr. Um, he is from the Toledo area, and uh, yeah, he would always wear the Mud Hens hat. And so, yeah, now the Mud Hens, they have the largest team store in minor league baseball, so who would have thought about two minutes in, I'm already dropping some knowledge here about minor league baseball. Well, Zach is only uh, 21 years old, so he wouldn't know about MASH. <laughs> he wasn't, I mean, he probably doesn't even remember Seinfeld. That's how young 
I, I'm wow. definitely fortunate to have my dad. Uh, he's a big fan of MASH, so <laughs> I, I, I learned through uh, through him, fortunately enough. And actually, my last year in Toledo, got to meet Jamie Farr and walk him down to uh, to the field to throw out the first pitch. So, wow. where are you from originally? Uh, I'm from the Detroit area. I'm about 20 minutes south of Detroit. It's a city called Trenton, Michigan. So you a Pistons fan, bad boy Pistons? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, they're not great, so not really a ton to root for. Not really a ton to root for across the board in Detroit currently. With The Lions aren't great. The Wings were one of the worst teams uh, in recent memory. The Tigers have had a couple of first picks, so not a lot going on right now. <laughs> Big Ohio State fan, I bet, huh? There's, there's where we're really pushing the limit there. How to, mm. <laughs> big, big Michigan fan, I would say. <laughs> uh, Brian, your, your Lions got me yesterday. I'm originally from Jacksonville, Florida. And so I'm a, I'm a I use the term big loosely, but I'm a big Jags fan. Uh, I, I will say that no one in Detroit expected to win that game. So, <laughs> well, hey, no one in Jacksonville expected to win it either. And look, you know, we were, we were fine. Uh, and then, uh, so University of Michigan fan, uh, I actually have a, a former player, uh, Isabel Verjao, who plays for, uh, the University of Michigan. And, awesome. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely one of my favorite cities in the world, Ann Arbor. Can't beat it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's awesome. Uh, I'm glad that you and, uh, Tommy can share a moment there about, uh, Toledo, uh, minor league baseball. Uh, I do know <laughs> of the show MASH. Um, I am not 21 years old, Tommy, but I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen an episode of MASH, but I definitely know what it is. Um, so I'll put that out there. Uh, well, cool. Well, Brian, uh, interesting. Uh, the Michigan area, the Detroit area, that's, that's an interesting area. Um, I've never been to Detroit, um, and I don't know if I ever really want to go there. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I hear that there's some uh, – it's an interesting area. Uh, but the Great Lakes up there and everything else, it's, it's just a, such a beautiful area uh, the further over you get towards the Great Lakes and everything. So, um, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, D Detroit is definitely uh, definitely has a, a certain reputation, but um, there's a lot of great areas about Detroit. And I um, haven't obviously gone there quite as often uh, over the past few months with uh, coronavirus and whatnot, but it's awesome. And then, yeah, outside of Detroit, too, it's actually just kind of, ridiculous how different the rest of the state is from Detroit you have all the natural uh the Great Lakes obviously like you mentioned but just out to the west side of the state up north it's just pretty incredible as far as natural resources go absolutely I think you're you need to go before you voice that kind of opinion I mean the <laughs> gotta four, give it a shot. yeah the final four was in Detroit one year and Windsor Canada is like right across the river it's really cool I mean uh you know, not that we would ever endorse gambling, but, you know, there's casino right across there. Windsor's pretty cool. Well, and in, and in Detroit now, you've got uh, – we've got a, a few casinos in Detroit itself, and sports betting is now legal uh, in Michigan. So, hmm. uh, while, while I wouldn't have been able to admit to that prior, now I can say that I bet on sports from time to time. There you, there you go. go. Yeah. <laughs> how, do you get high, how do you get hired in the sports gambling business? What about that? Yeah, that, uh, that's probably a little bit over my range. <laughs> not, your, uh, not your category there. All yeah. right, Sorry, Zach, go ahead. Absolutely. And this is, uh, Brian, this is kind of how they go. Uh, Tommy gets, uh, gets uh, off topic pretty easy. Uh, but, hey, it's, it's part, of the, part of the program. You got ADD, Brian. I, I apologize. So, we, uh, I'm looking forward I was to say, I'm, I'm, I'm fully prepared to talk about 1970s TV shows all day. So, I'm, yeah, I'm ready to go there. There we go. So is the book more about – and Zach has read it because Zach has received a copy, and I am receiving a copy, so I'm not going to be that guy that says I haven't read your book. But um, – <laughs> and being an author myself, it's hard. I mean, how uh, – well, anyway, we could talk about the process of writing a book. So mainly are you trying to help people – everyone loves sports and everyone has this idea of, Hey, I'm going to work in sports. Um, so maybe touch on that a, a little bit. Cause as an AD, really there's so little of our job that is sports related. It's all yeah. business related, people related. It's not coaching a team. It's just, it's man, it's people oriented. 
Yep. And yeah, I mean, I guess that I, I kind of took at it from like a, a multifaceted approach. The one side is definitely, you know, serving as a guide for people that, you know, want to work in sports and kind of want to see that background within the industry of, you know, how do I network? How, what is this interview process like? How do I even get interviews, things like that? And how do these top positions get filled? Um, but then on the other side, too, uh, you know, obviously, with the generation that we're at now, you know, fantasy sports is huge playing med and things like that is huge and you know you see you, you see the aspect of being like a general manager or a coach as a video game almost where oh well, I can just take this player and get rid of him and bring in this guy and it's it, it takes away kind of the human element that I think is huge within the industry and I think you know just kind of providing that that real look at what it's actually like you know like you mentioned a lot of it it's just completely unrelated to sports. Um, you know, it's, it's in many ways similar to working in a different business environment. Like I had said, with working in the auto industry, um, you wouldn't think anything necessarily related to sports, but a lot of aspects are similar with working as an athletic director. You know, you're, you're managing budgets, you're managing people, you're, you know, setting up different events, you're being pulled in a million different ways. And, you know, I think just kind of providing that insight of, you know, not necessarily discouraging people from pursuing a career in sports, because I mean, from my own experience, there's, um, you know, it's incredibly fulfilling um, when it's great. But I think just a big portion was kind of pr to provide that real look at it of what, you know, what this actually entails. You know, Zach, first of all, I apologize for those noises. I was trying to mute my computer, but actually I hit the Siri button, whatever. So I <laughs> humbly apologize to our listeners out there. Well, Brian, you know, I, this is interesting because um, I, I was just thinking this weekend how an AD has so, so, so little to do with athletics. I mean, so you're with the Toledo Mud Hens. It's not like you're hanging out with the manager or anything like that and the players. Am I hearing that right? I mean, you're, you're doing the business then. Now, sure, you come in contact with them, but if, you know, if I'm working with – Tennessee volunteer football, I'm not going to be, you know, rubbing uh, whatever, hanging out with the players and, you know, calling pass plays. Somebody needs to be, but I'm not going to be. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, in my last year with Toledo, I was fortunate enough to be working in communication. So I was pretty much on like a one-track thing there. So in that aspect, I was working quite a bit like hands-on with the players, with the coaches and things like that, and kind of facilitating their work with the media. But even with that, with like a role that is almost specifically concentrated on the team itself, there's so much outside of that, that, you know, it's, I don't think when people think of like a career in sports, you're thinking of, you know, writing a post-game recap at midnight on a Saturday, you know, um, it's just a variety of those different things where even when you are fully involved in it, it again, is not really necessarily involved in the, in the sport itself. So really, the average person gets into sports management or wanting to work with professional teams or college programs because they love sports. Right. And, um, so anyway. Well, I mean, it, Tommy, that kind of takes me to – it kind of opens up the path for uh, this question here, Brian, is, is I'm, as I'm looking – you know, I have your book pulled up right here too – um, and as I was reading through here, one of the things that stuck out to me was uh, you say as you're coming across scrolling through bios of athletic directors and, you know, private colleges all the way to the power five athletic departments, you list a series of majors or, or master's programs or, or whatever uh, degrees. And those degrees are counseling engineering, journalism, liberal studies, political science, social work, and zoology. Yeah. So the athletic directors that you looked up, these are their degrees, um, not one of them involving athletics. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I think, part of, the, uh, part of the benefit of sports, at least from my perspective, is that, you know, there isn't really necessarily one right way to get into it. And even with that, there's not one way – you know, within sports management, you don't, you're not stuck to sports management. You don't have to work in sports. And that's shown by, you know, a zoology degree, you know, as, as someone that's an athletic director. Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, a, a pretty unbelievable thing to think about, but 
you know, as we've kind of touched on already, um, you know, it's just another sign that even though sports is huge and I think obviously to be able to succeed, you probably to be able to succeed at any level, you probably need to have some kind of passion um, for sports. Um, but you don't really necessarily need to be, um, that doesn't need to be your driving focus. You know, if you're good at managing people, if you're good at working with people, if you're good at managing budgets, um, you know, a career in sports is a possibility. So Brian, what about, what would you say, one of my frustrations with college athletics right now is you've got these athletic directors who have never coached before. And so you have more, they're more, bit more of an MBA type of uh, background, like you're just saying, it's not necessarily in sports. And as a coach, it was always difficult for me to have someone who has never coached tell me how to coach. Right. So any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, and I think a lot of that just comes down to, um, you know, as you kind of mentioned in, in your episode two, working with emotional intelligence and knowing, um, sorry about that. Um, you know, knowing how to work with people. Uh, obviously, having that background as a coach is going to be huge just so, just so that you're able to relate and know what, you know, your coaches are going through. Um, but like you said, I mean, at this point, you know, you are seeing, starting to see more of that, like that MBA, that CEO mindset of, um, you know, working towards efficiencies rather than, you know, what works for your teams, what works for your athletes. So, I mean, it's a tough it's a tough balance there too, because, you know, from the university standpoint or, you know, rather the high school standpoint, you know, they're looking for people to come in and athletic budgets are, I'm sure, as you guys know, shrinking every year um, for the most part, and you're working within tighter confines. So, you know, they might bring in an athletic director that's working based on budgets rather than, you know, based on people. So, I mean, I think especially at the high school and college level, you know, I think it's going to be tough to move forward with that I mean it's, it's it's a tough thing to sell uh to coaches to work in in those kind of environments and you know like University of Michigan's budget is there a program that gets less for their money than the University of Michigan you think about that Brian like you're, I mean you're, you're talking you hit me hard the week well, of our first game here <laughs> you know what here's the thing I was at Illinois as a women's assistant for a year and everybody just kept complaining about what Michigan has, what Ohio State has. And I'd get frustrated. I'm like, come on, let's figure it out. But, like, so Illinois' overall athletic budget was like $22 million and Michigan's was 98 This was a few years back. Sounds about right. So I just don't know if they're getting enough for that, that money. But, but in all seriousness, if you've got a $98 million budget, seems like you better have somebody kind of knows about money a little bit, Zach. Brian, do you all agree with that? Just yeah, making my thought. Yeah, and I mean, that was something that Michigan had run into, um, not with their current athletic director or their previous one, um, but with Dave Brandon. Um, yeah. That was probably the low point of Michigan athletics, um, at least within, you know, the past few decades here, is just how horribly mismanaged it was. And, you know, Michigan obviously being, you know, a, a storied uh, storied history both academically and athletically it, it really did take a hit towards their reputation just because of how you know poorly mismanaged they were and that was again someone that was coming from a business background as opposed to you know ever necessarily having any involvement in sports what uh i mean you, we're talking about like the people um i mean a high school athletic department like zach's budget is I guess you can't really say what it is right now, but let, I mean, it's, it's, it's not 98 million. It's and near then, Illinois budget. Yeah. There you go. More towards $19 million. Closer. So, yeah. I mean, we've got such a wide range of different type kind of budgets that I'm sure your book uh, would appeal to. So maybe discuss that, you know, how does it appeal to the guy that, um, you know, to Zach, who's got, a small budget and how does it appeal to the guy trying to get the job at at the University of uh, Tennessee because that is the institution you would want to work at if you're striving to coach or teach or be a part of the greatest athletic program in the country and let me just say about this about professional sports before I let Brian get to that question I got a chance to go to this clinic uh, with a bunch of NBA guys do you know the the Dallas Mavericks have seven guys on their staff and their whole job is to figure out the salary cap. That's yeah. it. Seven guys. 
that's incredible to me. So anyway, Brian, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I, I'm sure uh, Zach can attest to this too, but just having, uh, you know, spoken with the athletic directors um, within the area here and specifically in Trenton, um, he's, you know, let me know that as, as we've been saying, you know, not necessarily even related to sports, but the biggest part of his job now has become fundraising and where you could rely on, um, you know, re reliable uh, sources of funding, whether it be, you know, from the school board or from, you know, uh, different grants and things like that. A lot of it is just going to have to be coming through fundraising. Um, but I mean, I guess from a broader standpoint of, you know, moving up the ladder and things like that, you know, a lot of the lessons that you learn, you know, within the high school level are definitely going to apply at the college level. And while you might be more, you know, concentrated on one aspect of say you're an assistant athletic director at the college level, you know, moving from high school where you're doing everything. Um, a lot of those same, same things are going to matter, um, you know, being prepared, you know, putting in the work um, so that you're not, you know, obviously you can only prepare for so much, but um, you know, trying to be prepared for uh, those various situations that will happen throughout a day or throughout a week. Um, a lot of these things are just going to be things that, you know, you learn along the way and are going to apply regardless of what level you're at. Seems like the higher, I mean, obviously the higher level, the more specialized your job's going to be. Uh, I mean, so just is. Uh, well, one, one thing I'm seeing here, Brian, is, you know, as I, as I scroll, scroll through and, and was reading through, you know, you list out the percentages. Now, of course, we're talking the division one level. Um, but you have 82% of current division one athletic directors have a background in the business or revenue side of the department. And then you drop down and you kind of break down the rest of it. And this kind of hits where you just talked about fundraising and, and development. 20% of athletic directors have some type of a, a, a degree in fundraising and, and, and developing uh, from a financial standpoint. And then you go on further, you have operations, you have marketing, finance, and, and then also compliance. Um, that's interesting to see. Now, it kind of goes, I'm going to circle back around with like what Tommy said earlier, you know, when you work for an athletic director who has never coached a, a, a football game or has never coached a basketball game, you know, and they're giving you pointers. Now, of course, you know, we're not talking about the power five levels. We'll talk about, you know, a little lower levels and, and even into high school, you know, it's, it's difficult to see eye to eye with that athletic director, especially from a coaching standpoint, who you want to look back at them and say, how many games have you coached? How many times have you been in this situation dealing with players and things like that? And so it's, you know, how important is an athletic director that knows athletics from that standpoint, but then also how important is it for an athletic director who knows the business side of things? Yeah, no. And I mean, you know, obviously I think that's probably depends on who you're asking um, from a university standpoint or from, you know, a high school administration standpoint, they might be, you know, more reliant or more would be leaning more towards someone that, you know, just gets things done fundraising wise, gets things done with the budget, um, you know, works well within that environment. But, you know, with that being said, you know, working as a coach under that kind of environment is not going to be great because you're, you know, you're working with someone who doesn't understand what you're going through doesn't understand the interactions that you're having with coaches doesn't or rather with, uh, with kids, you know, with parents and things like that. So, um, you know, like I said, you know, you just kind of hope that, you know, as this role becomes more focused on fundraising, you just hope that, um, you know, that doesn't become the only thing that it's about. And it doesn't, you know, lend itself towards people that are more inclined towards the business side, as opposed to, you know, the people side and working with athletes and working with coaches um, that and understanding what they're going through rather than kind of just making um, decisions based on a financial standpoint. So let's say a, um, how does, I'm, I'm assuming the University of Michigan, if they want to hire an athletic director at the power five level, that's going to be all based on agents being able to get you connected with the right people. And then what about like a lower level division one, say Eastern Michigan, we'll keep it all in, in the, Hey, Hey Zach, do you know, everyone in Michigan, show us where your hand, <laughs> everyone I've ever met in Michigan, they'll show you what part of Michigan they are by the back of their hand or the front. Easiest of their hand. way. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a hand. Anyway, Brian, just say, I've been, I like Michigan. All right, so Unless go ahead. you're from the upper peninsula, then you really can't use the hands. That's uh, uh, it really okay. throws things out of perspective. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, you know, like you had said, at, at the upper level, you're definitely working, if not um, with agents, you're bringing in a search firm. And that is, you know, one of the people that I'd spoken to, um, he runs like these different uh, search firms. So, and how yeah. powerful are those guys? Yeah. How about those jobs? How do I get one of those jobs where I recommend who gets jobs? <laughs> I mean, come on. Some, well, I mean, a lot of these college basketball jobs that get filled, they get filled with this such wrong fit. Right. It's unbelievable, you know? So how do I get one of those search firm jobs? Let's start a search firm. That, that is a, what I would chap like Chapter to. four, right, Brian? That sounds about right. I need to reread it soon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, I mean, as far as uh, with the search firms, good question. I, I would like to figure that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's something that I learned as well is that, you know, these search firms that go around, they're really not, um, they're not giving necessarily recommendations. The school will provide them with a list of things that they want. So whether it be like a winning pedigree at a lower level or, you know, whatever it may be. And then the search firm is supposed to go in and kind of, you know, speak to different people within the organization. Um, and background check's pretty big. So you don't have the, uh, you know, big resume lying stuff or whatever it goes on. You know, yeah, the, 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 the resume is a lot of times bypassed <laughs> at, that, at that point, but yeah, you know, they're looking for cultural fits and they'll bring in a group, a uh, short list of candidates. And if the university goes through those and doesn't find anyone they'll get back to the drawing board to find that perfect fit uh, a lot of times that perfect fit does not exist but as as we see every year yeah, yeah now one thing that i've noticed and tommy can could probably shed some light on this um in the coaching realm now granted i know we're, we're talking about athletic directors and your book is is focused on that but in the coaching realm i wonder if there's any relation over a lot of times it comes down to how, um, how much you network. Um, so if, if Tommy's out here and, you know, Tommy's got a, a friend that works at, let's just say, you know, I'm in the North Carolina area, works at Duke. Um, Tommy's, you know, in Tennessee, whatever. I'm looking for a position. He may call up, you know, Coach K and say, hey, I've got a guy that'd be great for your staff. Is, is there that networking and it's all in who, you know, the, the phrase is it's all in who you know. Is that relatable to the athletic director portion of, you know, find, getting the job? At, at the top, top levels, I don't know that that, I mean, it, networking is always going to matter regardless of where you're at, what level, what industry you're in, networking is going to matter. Um, at the super upper levels of it, um, you know, you really are looking for, you know, whether it be a search firm or whatever, um, obviously, you know, having an in helps, but, you know, with an athletic director, you're looking at someone that's going to be kind of taking over the entire department as a whole. So, I mean, networking would help, but I wouldn't say that would necessarily be the biggest thing, um, especially at the coaching level. Um, networking is going to be huge. Uh, there's so much turnover, I'm sure, as you guys know, um, within the coaching industry every year is kind of just a year to year process, um, especially as you know, you're working with an assistant. So, you know, one of the, uh, um, one of the coaches that I had spoken to Jerry Mack, he's the offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator at Rice. Um, he went to a coaches conference um, semi early on in his career. And basically the advice given to him um, was that you always need to be prepared that, um, you know, you're going to be interviewing for somewhere else tomorrow. So, you know, whether that means, you know, keeping your portfolio up to date and keeping like your play sheet and, you know, you're updating your philosophies so that you're able to pitch them to whoever, or, you know, just kind of generally networking within the industry. That's definitely going to be huge. Um, so, I mean, outside of those super top, top, you know, power five, and even at the top of power five level jobs, networking is going to be huge. How much do you talk about in your book about getting a coaching job? Do you do anything with that at all? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely focused all around. And I would say coaching is probably, you know, one of the bigger, um, definitely one of the bigger aspects of the book. Did you talk about it all? Um, what about college basketball? Did you touch on, on that at all? Any differences there you've noticed? Um, I believe I had um, primarily spoken to college football coaches. Bas college basketball is interesting. Like you get, you watch what's happening with the way college basketball hires people. 
um, you know, like a, let's take a mid-major in the state of North Carolina. Give me one, Zach. Go. Quick, 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 quick. Mid-major. Was reading a snippet. What? what? What was your question? Is Cam- would Campbell be a mid-major? Campbell, mid-major. Yeah. Yes, Campbell. Yep. For example, Campbell. So what Campbell's going to do as a basketball, in a basketball situation is, they're, they're not going to hire a Division II head coach who's done incredibly well. Mm-hmm. That, for some reason, is seen – I mean, maybe even a guy that's won 400 games at the Division II level. They would never even look at him. But who they'll look at is that 33-year-old up-and-coming assistant that has never called a timeout before. That, yeah. for some reason, is not a risk. But the guy that has won 400 games at a lower level is. So, yep. yeah. any insight on that or – like yeah, and I mean, that was something with, you know, as I mentioned with Jerry Mack specifically, I believe he had coached at uh, North Carolina Central, um, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to double check uh, to see. Yeah, NC Central that. over here in the Durham area. Man, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm great on my recollection here. Uh, yeah. But no, uh, Jerry Mack had uh, done super well at uh, NC Central. He had, he had went across the same thing where, you know, these different lower level D1 jobs would open up and they're going to you know whether it be coordinators that have been around for you know 30 years or whatever it may be or you know like you had said an up-and-coming assistant from a larger school it's just always going to them and the um these lower level guys are kind or lower level coaches are kind of getting passed up for and that's where he was kind of at his wits end about it where you know he was had this great opportunity and he had this great program that he was running well but there was just not going to be an advancement and you know as he had eventually just done, he uh, took on a role at Rice. And I'm sure now, I mean, once the ball gets rolling there, working as an offensive coordinator is going to open up far more doors than even a successful head coaching record. I mean, regardless of level, but I mean, it's, it's tough and you can definitely get left behind super, super easily was one of the bigger things that I learned. So what yeah, about, well, you know, I always tell young people ask me, how do I become a college basketball coach? How do I, and, and I say what I would do is I'd go be a manager somewhere. In co- uh, don't worry about if you really want to coach, if you want to be a college basketball coach at the highest level you can possibly be, go be a manager for the best program you can get into yep. and ride the coattails of not necessarily, say, Rick Barnes or Mike Krzyzewski, but of somebody on that staff that goes up. I mean, that's, yep. how, that's what I would do. You look at all the high level, uh, all these high level uh, basketball coaches never even played. Like right. Bruce Pearl, you know, uh, uh, Steve Prone at Iowa State, um, Will Wade, LSU. I mean, they didn't play, they were managers' places. Yeah. And I mean, that's something, even at, even at the NFL, I believe a few years ago, Todd Haley, when he was coaching uh, the Chiefs, I think he had played high school golf. <laughs> so definitely did not have the, uh, the the football background there but no I mean that would be um, that's you know some something that I had stressed upon as well not only you know getting involved at whatever level you can obviously you know if you're able to jump in as a manager that would be fantastic um, sometimes you know you'll have to work at the high school level to you know even be able to get into a, a manager level position but I mean I guess one of the downsides of that too and I mean this kind of applies to working in sports as a whole is that you know starting off you're oh, you are not going to be uh, you are not going to be making any money. <laughs> and, yeah, he, yeah. I mean, we know Zach's probably at six figures there at news, but uh-huh. so let's say Zach. The the problem is Zach six or seven years ago, Zach, you just said, "Hey, I want to go. I want to be a college basketball coach, and you want to start out." Well, Brian, he's going to be making nothing probably. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, with that in itself, you know, that, I mean, lends itself to, you know, excluding a lot of people who would want to be able to work in sports and, you know, someone who can't, you know, take a few years of making basically zero money. Have you ever heard, I heard someone say to me one time, don't ever take a job uh, for money if you're interested on moving up the ladder. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Well, I mean, you see it all the time on the basketball side where guys come in and they're a graduate assistant. And, you know, they're get, maybe, maybe getting their master's, maybe, you know, coming in, looking for 
an opportunity. In fact, just recently have had a connect here in the Raleigh area that was at a division three school and he was an assistant coach at the division three, but he got the opportunity to jump to the division one level um, and decided instead of just jumping from D three to, to the D one level, he went in as, as to the D one level as a graduate assistant. And so, you know, some people would probably say, well, that, that D three assistant position that you had and that graduate position they're probably, you know, the D3 was a little bit better, but it's like what Tommy just said. He wants to get to the top area and like what we're talking about, he's going to sacrifice something uh, in order to, to make that happen. And, and I'm actually, I, I have uh, the uh, Jerry Mack uh, chapter right here, which is chapter 10, Brian. And, and I'm, as I'm looking through it, you know, one of the things that, that sticks out to me is that he goes on, he says that 90% of his job was not dealing with the X's and O's, but it was being and acting as if he's a CEO of a small business. The amount of phone calls uh, from outside sources is unbelievable. And I'm talking about the, at that, at the division two level. And so, uh, I mean, Tommy and I, we're at the high school level, but I mean, you know, we're on fall break. We have a four day weekend this weekend. And I've literally spent the entire morning responding to emails, answering some phone calls, getting everything situated as we approach our, you know, state tournament for the fall season with all the extra COVID protocols and everything, of course, makes it more difficult. But still, I mean, you know, everything I've done this morning, you might say, yeah, it has to do with athletics, but it's been the, you know, the, the office related work that sometimes gets and, and outweighs every other aspect of the job. Hey, Brian, right. is a good high school job better than a bad college job? <laughs> depends on what you want to do that's a great answer it's a good yeah i was gonna say that's a really good answer <laughs> what do you mean by that exactly well i mean i think that a lot of people are more built towards kind of the more personal element of working in high, high school athletics and the more community-based element of working in high school athletics and you know obviously there's kind of a cap on where you go within high school and whereas within college, you know, you might be bouncing around from year to year. And if you do want to become the athletic director of Michigan, it's what you're going to have to do. Um, a lot of people don't want to do that. And I certainly would not blame them for, for uh, not going down that route. Yeah. That's a great, that's good. That's good. I mean, people don't think about that, you know, so yeah, I agree. Good high school job is better than a bad. Like, people don't realize how bad of college jobs there are out there. I mean, yep. so, so many small college jobs that pay thirty, forty, fifty thousand uh, dollars. Right. I mean, that's the and they well, good. and and on top of that, you know, Tommy, I learned something two weeks ago that there's a a community college, a, a junior college here in the Raleigh area that they are national champs at their JUCO level and none of their staff, not even the head men's basketball coach is full-time on campus. Yeah. He works a full-time job. Then he comes to the school to coach and to do all that. And they're not, you know, they're the national championship winners, you know, I think like two years ago and still you know, don't I, even, you know, work on the campus. You know, you're uh, in your book where you say 90% of the job is CEO stuff. You know, people ask me all the time, do I miss coaching? Do I miss coaching at the collegiate level? And I say, well, I miss the games. But you know what? There's only like – there's only 30 of them. Yep. That's a, So that's 60 hours. Yeah, I was going to say three, two or three hours a year a week. Yeah, 60 <laughs> hours. So, so that's, a lot of, that's a lot of work to put in for 60 hours, if you think about it. I no, miss absolutely. 60 hours. I don't miss much else about it. Yeah, no. And I mean, I think that that's kind of one of the takeaways too, is that, you know, to work within any role, you know, even outside of, you know, the direct, you know, hands-on sports role, like coaching, even, you know, whereas that might not be hands-on all the time, you know, whether it be ticket sales or fundraising or, you know, merchandising, whatever it may be, your, your passion for sports is definitely going to be tested continually. And I think that, you know, one of the takeaways that I gotten is a lot of people are just going to, you're just going to question if, you know, this is, this is really what you want to do or rather, whether you would just want to be a fan and watch the game on Saturday and that will be your sports for the week rather than, you know, making it this, uh, making it your, your livelihood. Well, I mean, and even, even at our level, not you know, that great for 99% of people, I mean, for every, 
general manager of, I mean, for every Zach Shank making big money, there's hundreds of people that are living right above the poverty line. Yep. And I mean, that, I get the, I think that's just the nature of sports too, with, you know, how many people that want to work in it, everyone, you know, I want to work for the wings. I want to work for the tigers. I want to work for the lions, whatever it may be. You know, if I was working for the, uh, the red wings and I decided I was, uh, sick of it, there would be 150, 200 people applying for my job within the next hour. So it's, it's tough to, you know, they don't have to pay as much. They nope. Really they, they, they certainly don't. You can, yeah, you can, with the skills that you build within sports, you can certainly apply that elsewhere within business or wherever you want to put it and probably be better off financially. I had a JB job at Bluefield College, Zach and Brian, and I advertised it. I don't even remember. I had over a hundred applicants. The job paid $7,000. I had Stacy King, former NBA player, apply for the job. My gosh. For $7,000. How about that? You know who I hired? Scotty Richardson. Hey, hey. This is uh, Zach. Uh, it's my friend. So, anyway, how about that? So, yeah, kind of in that same realm of, of what you guys are talking about. Um, and maybe this was an ego trip for me. Uh, I got offered an assistant position at a, a very, very equal level school. It was not, it would not have been a step up. It would not have been, um, you know, a, a moving from a one, a to a four, a style school, or even from a private school to a public school, it was just the same level. And, there was a, a, a slight pay upgrade, um, but from an ego standpoint, I wasn't ready to step down from being the man. And so, you know, I, I look at this and, and say, all right, I get a slight, you know, pay, pay upgrade, sure, but I'm taking a position that necessarily I, I wouldn't want to work. So you see that in there as well, almost as, you know, go back to, you know, good high school jobs, bad college jobs, all that other stuff is, you know, is it sometimes where you're at is where you're supposed to be. And I know that sounds very, you know, simple and, and kind of stupid to say that. Um, but also, you know, the best time to look for a job is when you have one. Yep. And, uh, you know, so there's, there's, there's things there that the grass is not always greener on the other side if there is involving more money. And the grass is not always greener on the other side if the position looks better. Um, and that's one thing that I've, I've talked with some younger athletic directors are like, you know, I'm so ready to get out of my school. You know, I don't get the support from the admin team. I don't get this. I don't get that. And I'm like, well, hold on, you know, let's, let's see if everything, you know, works out here or something outweighs whatever else. And just kind of to help let them know that, Hey, that grass is not always greener on the other side. And uh, you know, the, the stuff you may have to deal with over there is going to be completely different than over here and, and, and vice versa. Brian, does age come into play? How much does age come into play when hiring in the sports world? Um, I mean, again, I think that that comes down to the particular level, the particular position as well. Um, I mean, obviously it's tough to say, but I think a lot of schools are looking, especially at the lower levels too, you know, they're looking for someone where that don't have the resources to be able to go on these different searches every, every, every few years. Um, you know, you're looking for someone that's going to be there for quite some time and whether that be a candidate, you know, that's not necessarily saying that, you know, a younger candidate is going to be better because, you know, while they might have a longer future in the industry, um, someone that's, you know, 30, 35, you know, they might be looking to move to that next level and take that next leap. So, I mean, it's, again, it comes down to a balancing act when you're looking to hire. And I mean, to, to touch back on to Zach's point, as far as, you know, from a coach's standpoint or from an athletics director standpoint, you know, kind of taking that, uh, I guess more or less an ego hit, um, you know, moving from a head coaching position to an assistant or moving from an athletic director to an assistant athletic director, you know, it's a tough thing. And it's, it's on one hand, you know, you're kind of moving into an environment where you might have more room to advance. Um, but you're also moving into an environment where, you know, you're not calling all the shots and you're not, you know, something might feel off to you, but you just kind of have to live with it. But I guess with that being said, I think that, you know, from the coaches that I had spoken to, um, you know, moving that move from head coaching to assistant coaching, they 
came out of it, came out of head coaching with kind of a greater understanding of all that the head coach uh, roles encompassed. And they were kind of more understanding with their head coaches if they didn't have time or, um, you know, had a different way of doing things than them. So, I mean, kind of to touch back on what we had spoken for before, just kind of getting that, that real world experience and trying to work within as many roles as possible, I think is, is definitely pretty crucial to being kind of a, a valuable member of the, of the athletic department, wherever it may be. You know, the hardest part about going from being a head coach to an assistant coach is it's, it wasn't the ego for me, Zach. It was the not controlling my own time. The head yeah. coach says when you're off, he says when you're on, you know, he says when we're, you know, you just don't control it. As a head coach at the collegiate level, hey, I'm, I'm going to come in at nine and I'm going to take my kids to school and whatever, or I'm going to get off early and I'm going to go to whatever, a ball game. You can't do that as a head coach. I mean, as the assistant coach. You got to do what the head coach. He says, hey, we're getting off Wednesday for Thanksgiving. We're going to be back Thursday night for Thanksgiving evening to watch film. Uh, do we have to? <laughs> Yeah, you did. So, Brian, do you think Zach, Zach's appearance, Zach's a big guy, 6'9", you know, but the beard especially, how is that going to affect him in the hiring process, the way the beard is right now? For our listeners, Zach has a grown man beard, but it, it hangs down to, you know, his belly button almost. So, how, how does that, how's that going to affect his ability to get hired? <laughs> <laughs> You've, uh, well, so one, one of the, uh, one of the, uh, chapters in the book is about interview preparation. So you got to do your research on, uh, on who you're going to be interviewing with. So you see a guy, you're going to be interviewing with a guy that has a huge beard, might want to, might want to keep it. Um, if you're interviewing with someone that uh, apparently has uh, anti beard stances, you know, maybe they post about that on social media, <laughs> then, uh, then you're probably going to want to avoid it. Might want to trim it up a little bit. Well, how do you research? We, I mean, you obviously look at the website, you, I mean, how do you uh, just Google the person, try to find out as much information as you can, or what? What's the, yeah. what's the key on that? Yeah, and I mean that that's a big thing of it too, and I think that's where networking comes into play as well. Um, so you know, there's only so much that you can get from Googling someone. So you might be able, be able to find, you know, where they had worked previously, you know, their college education. You know, that can lead you so far. But you know, a big part of networking is kind of, um, you know understanding what you're going into. Um, one of the athletic directors that I had spoken to, Greg Christopher, he's the uh, athletic director at Xavier University. Um, he, before he had had um, his first interview for an athletic director, director spot, he had pretty much called upon um, everyone that he knew within the conference um, and just kind of tried to get, get some more information about the school, about um, you know, the president that he was gonna be interviewing with. Uh, kind of their market and things like that. And I think, you know, the more research you can do into it, the better. And I know obviously more things are going to be available about, you know, public universities and things like that, as opposed to necessarily a high school. But well, even finding with, out who you're interviewing with obviously is huge, you know, you, you know, finding out who's on search committees or whatever, I would think yeah. that would be and getting information about them. Absolutely. I mean, even at the high school level, um, you know, obviously there might be less information, but that doesn't mean you can't do, you know, your preparation and see, you know, right. look at their coaching staff at what they have already, um, you know, look at, you know, their conference and, you know, again, calling around and asking about uh, different aspects of the school. Cause not only, I mean, it's your career, you know, you're not only making a decision to kind of move up, but you're going to be entering this environment. And if you, come to find out that it's not going to be, you know, a good fit for you personally, you know, you might, it, it might be best to just wait that one out and pass on it. If you find out that, you know, there's some kind of characteristics that don't line up with, you know, what you're looking for. How do you clean up? Like, so a few years back when I was at Lee, I had a small altercation with a referee might have may or may not have been a very short suspension within that. So when you Google my name, it kind of comes up, like second or third, how do I get that way down the list or maybe get that erased from, from Google? How, how would I go about doing that? You got, you got to become good friends with uh, some reporters in the community. Uh, maybe do some good community service work, uh, get that lifted up, get that boosted up more recently. So is it just the number of hits something's gotten? Is that all <laughs> over the course of 
of a, a lot of, a lot of it is the number of hits and the age so, oh, that is so you really got to get out there in the community. I mean, this is like 10 years ago or so, eight years ago, <laughs> and it still pops up like second, Zach. I mean, that's you so must have really done something. I've had yeah. 97 jobs since then, and it still pops up. <laughs> it's so. Well, um, Brian, I, I appreciate you um, taking time out of your day to get with us to, uh, to talk about your book. If you don't mind, uh, let our listeners know where they can find it at, the title of it again, and uh, just any important information, where to follow you at on Twitter or uh, Instagram, whatever it is you have, feel free to let our listeners know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so you can buy the book anywhere that books are sold. Uh, most frequently, people have been going to Amazon. Uh, it releases on November 5th, but you can pre-order it now. Um, the title is You're Hired, A Guide to Working in Sports. Um, beyond that, I mean, you can follow me on Twitter, add me on Facebook, and both of them are just uh, my name, B-R-I-A-N, Rezepa, R-Z-E-P-P-A. And yeah, no, I appreciate you guys uh, coming on, and I appreciate you guys reading the book as well. Absolutely. Um, again, this is the uh, Winning Way podcast, uh, episode 12, moving right along. Brian, thanks again for uh, joining us today. You can follow the Winning Way at Twitter or on Twitter at the winning way and on Instagram at the winning way podcast and feel free, send us an email uh, and give us some suggestions. If you want to know more, how to get in contact with Brian, send us an email and we'll share his contact with you guys. Who are listening? I'm jealous of Zach's beard, by the way. I mean, it is a grown man beard, right? You with me, Brian? I mean, is that not a tough looking beard? That's an impressive beard. Hey. My wife says all the time, man, that, Zach would kill you if y'all ever – you better not make that guy mad. I'm like, I'm <laughs> <not>. <laughs> that's, that's true. But uh, my wife calls me a gentle giant, so it's okay. Not that bad of a guy. But anyway, this is the Winning Way Podcast. Story time with uh, Tommy Brown. You guys have a good afternoon. Hey, this is Alex Dew, owner of AD Marketing, a digital marketing agency that specializes in helping businesses small and large make an emotional connection with customers every day. We're here to get the job done with an experienced staff, targeted processes, and measurable results that will make your brand stand out amongst the rest. Call us today for a free quote at 904-718-4439 or visit our website at admarkjax.com. That's A-D-M-A-R-K-J-A-X.com. Thanks, enjoy the podcast, and God bless. Today's episode is brought to you by One Heartbeat Athletics. If you're looking on how to build a warrior culture in your athletic department, then look no further. One Heartbeat Athletics is guaranteed to enhance your team's toughness and change the lives of your athletes. If you're interested in setting up a free 15-minute preview, please email Tommy Brown at bethethumb at yahoo.com. That is bethethumb at yahoo.com.